I V M. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and on today's episode, I'm talking about the account aggregator concept with Wilfred Sigler, Managing Director, VAS, VAS, India and South Asia Markets, Crypt Solutions. We are talking about what exactly is the account aggregator concept, how it can change things for you, all of this and much more, right after this short break. Subscribe to Paisa Paisa with Anubam Gupta on YouTube for knowing more about a wide variety of financial products from mutual funds to credit cards to loans and much more. Boost your financial knowledge and growth today. And welcome back. Wilfred, welcome to Paisa Paisa. Thank you so much for doing this for our listeners. Thank you for having me, Anupam. It's a pleasure. Fantastic. Thank you. So first off, of course, we've had Kriff Highmark on our show before. Sanjeet was there. That was an online recording. So I'm thrilled to have someone from Kriff in the studio for this recording. What is Kriff Connect and in general, what is Kriff? So Kriff is a company uh, based out of Italy uh, and uh, a multinational company working across the globe, more than four continents. We have presence in more than 90 countries. But majorly, if you see what businesses Kriff is into, you can actually divide it into information, analytics and solutions. So we work with data. We run 26 credit bureaus across the world. With this data, obviously, there's a need to analyze the data. So we also provide analytics services. We build bespoke scores, bespoke models, as well as through the bureau, we also provide some scores on that. And when you have the data and the analytics, you need solutions to run them. Mm. So we also provide those software solutions. Now we've gotten into open banking and also on ESG assessment. So this is CRIF globally. In India, we have three entities. As you said, CRIF Highmark has been on this show earlier, and that's one of the RBI registered credit bureau. We also have Criff Solutions, where we provide the software solutions, the analytic solutions, company reports for business information, etc., the ESG assessment. And now with the open banking coming into India, various solutions around usage of open banking. And the latest baby on the anvil is Criff Connect, mm. which is, again, an RBI-licensed account aggregator. Let's just get into it. Actually, before I get into account aggregator... I want to understand how life was before account aggregator because I think that's pretty much today also because account aggregator is still not as prevalent or as dominant or as, you know, widespread as say something like a UPI, okay? So I want to build this case for our listeners to understand that what is life without an account aggregator before we get into the concept. So I'm sure most of your listeners would have taken some amount of financial services at some point in time, right? I have also been on the lending side earlier. So apart from everything that has become digital over a period of time, in terms of your application, in terms of your assessment of getting any financial services, be it a loan, be it a card or something else, one part of that was when you have to share your information with the financial entity, whoever you are applying for the service from. Now, we have become paperless, we have become cashless, but one part is where the consent of the customer is helping you to actually share information mm. with the entity. Before the account aggregator came in, one part that was required was, let's say, sharing your bank statement, which enables you to get those services to help you get assessed better. At that point in time, either you would go to your bank or you would take a printout from the bank, then you run around to get it stamped and everything. 
later on with the advent of net banking and everything, you can download the statement yourself, but ultimately you have to submit it as a physical copy. Yeah. Also get it stamped just to prove the authenticity and everything. With the branch manager. With the branch And his number and his bank number or whatever. Exactly. Something of that sort. With the stamp and with everything. Stamp. Exactly. I know what you're talking about. So that adds to the hassle the customer has to go through, number one. Number two, for the financial service provider to whom I'm submitting that data, that adds to the hassle of checking the authenticity of the document. So when it adds to the hassle, it adds to efficiency, it adds to the cost. So a lot of things used to happen earlier. That is the life before account aggregator. Nice. And when you say financial products now here, from what I heard from you, it looks like you're referring mainly to the lending side. I think the investment size, thankfully, has become a little bit better. Like if you want to open a brokerage account. I remember 10, 15 years ago, it used to be a 60-page form, yeah. or 50-page form with 50 signatures. Yeah. Okay. So lending, of course, was even more complicated because like you said, you have to take your account statements, you have to take bank manager signature, PAN cards, etc. So if I understood this correctly, you've got different types of information sitting in different places which I as a buyer of financial products have to aggregate Correct. to go to the next guy. From your bank statement, add your income statements, uh, add your salary, salary slips. Slip. So, yeah, yeah, that yeah, could yeah, be yeah, for yeah, your yeah, yeah. booking also Brokerage, as well yeah. as for lending also, right? Yeah, yeah. As soon as you add these things, as you rightly put it, yeah. there are in various silos yeah. which you have to aggregate and then submit physical copies. Yeah, like the DMAT or something yeah. like that sort. Okay, now let's start with the account aggregator concept. I know that the government introduced this in 2016. When we say the government, who are we talking about? Are we talking about the Ministry of Finance, SEBI, RBI, who exactly? What was their thinking and what did they do in 2016? So it actually started off, yes, by the Ministry of Finance. And the thought itself was to get open banking into India. Now, Europe, this was already happening. But obviously, when India thinks about it and when RBI thinks about it, it's always a step ahead. Yeah. So the good part is that India started off not only as an open banking ecosystem, but an open finance ecosystem. So in 2016, the entire framework was formed on firstly, the where's and what's of the account aggregator ecosystem, who can be participating, what will an account aggregator do or not do. And with those frameworks came in the entire process of licensing and who can apply and what do you need to do for it. So that started off in 2016. And I think if I'm not wrong, around 2019 was when the first account aggregator license was given to right. the entity. Right. I want two offshoots from here. One is what is open banking? Okay, as a concept, because you said that Europe already had it an RBI kind of, yeah. which like you correctly said, we are ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. So what was open banking? What is open banking? And uh, yeah. So open banking would basically mean you are able to share your banking transactions from where you hold the bank account to any other entity from whom you're looking for a, a service mm. which needs your bank transactions. Oh, okay. So it's only about bank transactions being shared. But in India, as I said, that it's more moved from open banking to open finance. So people who are now able to share data is not only banking transaction. GST is there. Your PFRD is there. There are a lot of things on insurance. There is also an income and everything that can be shared on the same platform with your consent. So you've already moved as an open finance ecosystem. And as we speak, you know, a lot of non, I mean, other than bank transactions, a lot of other players are already live on the account aggregator ecosystem. Yeah. Now I want to get into the account aggregator because you said that the first license was given in 2019. 
Right. Now, when I just hear about this, I think somewhere in my head, when I was reading up on this, I just kind of naturally assumed that an account aggregator would be an existing organization, like a bank or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, because what I could think of was DMAT. Now, DMAT is an aggregation of all the share transactions that I do. I buy this share, buy that share, and that gets aggregated, put into a DMAT. DMAT is linked to a bank. Boom. I'm kind of done. But from what you told me, an account aggregator is a third party. It's yeah. another entity that needs a license, which is given by whoever. I don't know, RBI. So can you just explain to us at an entity level what exactly is an account aggregator? And possibly, you know, tomorrow if I wake up one fine day, I want to become an account aggregator. What's yeah. in it for me? So before I answer that, I think it's important to understand what the ecosystem means, right? Then only it would be good to talk about what an account aggregator does. So there are four major players in an account aggregator ecosystem. The one in the center is the end consumer, individuals like you and me. Now, we would be the ones who need a financial service and want to share our financial data, right? On on both the sides. For that, I have my, let's say, my financial data lying with a particular bank. That's called an FIP, a financial information provider. Ah, okay. And wherever I am taking the service from, Hmm. it's a financial information user, FIU. Oh, okay. So you have the customer, you have an FIU or an FIP. So these three entities and the fourth entity in the center is an account aggregator. Right. So the account aggregator's job is to seek the consent from the consumer in the correct way, in the correct form, send that consent to the data provider, asking for the data based on the consent with all the details of the purpose and everything else for the period and provide that data to the information user, the FIU. So this is the ecosystem. Now, yes, there are certain guidelines for an account aggregator to form an account aggregator. Obviously, the company has to be uh, registered in India. There is a capital requirement, which is there around two crores or so. But there are a lot of guidelines right from day one from the Reserve Bank of India on what are the things that you need to do when you build up your entire tech stack, Mm -hmm. right? And those things are something which you need to meet before you get a registry as an account aggregator. So what happens is when you apply you first get assessed by the Reserve Bank and you get an in-principle license. After you get an in-principle license, you get 12-month period to take up the entire tech stack and meet all the norms which are there and then apply for the operating license or the certificate of registration. Right. After that, you become an operating account aggregator. So that is the way. Very interesting. So a credit bureau just seems like an ideal candidate because they're already doing half the work, right? Yeah. So is my thinking correct here? So credit bureau is not either an FIP or an FIU as per the regulations right now. Okay. Point number one. And one more important thing to note here is the account aggregator is just a pass through of data. Account aggregator does not see the data, Hmm. does not store the data. It doesn't store the data. Does not store the data. Very interesting. So that's what I said that the reason why you have four people in this ecosystem is that as a customer, today, if I'm sharing physical copies with a player or maybe I'm putting my internet banking password somewhere on some third party player, there's a lot of risk concern there. Here you have a regulated entity with all the norms of security and everything who takes your consent, but the data goes from the information provider to the information user User. in an encrypted form. 
it passes through the account aggregator but the account aggregator does not see does not store does not analyze so that is the way account aggregators work very interesting it sounds more like a technology product more than anything else because if i'm just the guy you know who's kind of for lack of a better comparison a switchboard operator yeah. like in the old days used to have just this person sitting at a massive switchboard taking in wires putting in there that's just what i'm doing right? exactly exactly i think i think that's the right way to put it also with a small difference that the major job of the account aggregator is to manage the consent of the customer right so consent there are two three things today you know we may end up doing a tick mark on terms and conditions and that's a consent always right? yeah but with this guidelines there is a provision for a customer to revoke his consent Huh. and those things have to be provided by the account aggregator so a customer at any point in time can revoke his consent should give a consent for a specific purpose for a specific period and everything so that's the difference uh, yeah. from a switchboard to this <laughs> right. i'm sure okay it's been what 7 years since the concept was introduced can you just tell us what's been the progress so far yeah so as i said the first account aggregator got licensed in in 2019 but as of now if you see there would be close to around 27 or 26 million accounts that have been linked hmm. on the you say accounts is across all bank products. accounts bank accounts bank accounts, bank accounts, okay, accounts yeah, yeah. right around 28 million consents you know that have been taken we are still in a nascent stage right from an account aggregator perspective there are 14 account aggregators who are licensed as of now and i think there are 3 4 more in a in principle license stage there could be more who have applied that we may not be aware of right now but the progress is lot of the major banks almost all the major banks etc they are live on the account aggregator ecosystem gst is live some of the insurance companies are live so that progress is going on a daily basis however the important thing to note is when the you know the first license let's say came in 2019 you had the period of the pandemic also after that but there was a certain amount of tech investments changes ways of working changes for adoption that had to happen in the ecosystem among the financial institutions also right yeah. so first you have to have the providers ready so till the time you don't have the banks linked mm. आप कंसेंट देके भी क्या करोगे आई मीन यू रियली कांट गेट द कंसेंट बट यू डोंट हैव द डेटा सप्लायर फ्रॉम द बैक सो दैट एक्टिविटी हैड टू हैपन एंड दैट इज व्हाई इट इज टाइम टेकिंग सो इफ यू जस्ट कंपेयर इट टू अ क्रेडिट ब्यूरो टिल द टाइम यू हैव द डेटा राइट यू मे नॉट बी गेटिंग दैट इंफॉर्मेशन आउट व्हिच इज मोर कॉम्प्रिहेंसिव राइट सो दैट इज द पार्ट दैट हैज हैपेंड टिल नाउ नाउ एज आई सेड सो मेनी कंसेंट्स आर ऑलरेडी हैपनिंग people are coming online the adoption levels are increasing rbi is also trying to look at various ways and means to increase the adoption of the account aggregator and program like yours you know gives uh, that kind of information to the consumers so that they are also more open to do things like that right mm-hmm. if i just compare it to upi right yeah. when upi payments were there earlier also but not many people were doing it and then you had something like a demonetization and then people started getting comfortable with it right that's where i think the account aggregator will go so as soon as people realize the ease of it as soon as people realize that it is all regulated secured and everything people would be more and more adoptive to using yeah. it so who can be an account aggregator today and are there any requirements you know like maybe your server has to be in india you only have to be an indian entity or is it open to pretty much everyone for example are the capital requirements or whatever yeah yeah so there is a capital requirement of around 2 crores to start off with the company has to be registered in india servers data etc has to be in india having said that while we don't store data at all right but the customers consent and everything is getting stored so all those things have to be in india and the more important thing is all the other norms of the tech stack 
that have to be met so even when you apply you really have to talk about what would you do mm. and then once you get the in principle license you have to do it and then that gets uh, checked whether those things are in place or not based on the the current requirements which are there yeah and this sounds like a banking product or rather it seems to be something that's linked to the banking system so i'm assuming that the regulator over account aggregator is rbi the regulator is reserve bank of india but i think this is one of the few i would say ecosystems where you have different regulators working together are you i'm assuming so you need to have sebi, SEBI is insurance there. irda is IRDA there really insurance there. is there broking firms are there they are also fips and fius yeah. but yes the regulator itself is rbi Yeah, very interesting. So, folks, of course, we've done the background part of what the account aggregator is. In the next part of this episode, we're going to talk about how this affects people like you know, Wilfred, me, you, all of us, and how this ecosystem is going to change our lives. So, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Okay, Wilfred, how does the account aggregator ecosystem change life for everyone you know for and let's look at the people in the ecosystem that you mentioned leaving aside the account yeah. aggregator because it's a brand new business for him so i think let's what start with the consumer then go to the financial information user let's Perfect. do that yeah so from a consumer standpoint i think we touched upon it when we started our conversation firstly it gives you from taking a financial service product right it gives you an ease of providing and sharing your information with whoever you are trying to take that service from brings in more efficiency does not let you run around a bit makes it more digital makes it secured and you have a right on what the data will be used for and how much or for what duration that data can be used and you can revoke your consent at any point in time as soon as you revoke your consent your data stops getting shared you know with the particular player secondly with this a lot of other use cases you know build up for a consumer so today if bank today gives me a product which is could be a loan could be you know anything else in terms of investments or whatever but apart from that the fact that my data is aggregated it also helps me see my entire cash flow together right it could be through a product that i get from a bank or it could be something through my phone or through my app or through yeah, the account yeah. aggregator that these things can happen so ease of functioning for the consumer reducing the cost firstly for the consumer and also not running around in terms of sharing data for a fiu obviously it gets the data more digitally gets more authentic data directly from source so the additional cost of verifying that information checking those information those costs are saved because it is digital then your manpower cost gets saved in terms of collecting that information otherwise people may have to send someone to get the bank statement or to get some other statements etc thirdly because it is digital it helps you analyze the data better and uh, you know make good insights about from the data itself and then last but not the least if i talk about an fiu when the data is coming in directly from source it is also coming in with the details of the customer so a lot of kyc checks also a double check of mm. a kyc can happen over there now coming to the fip who's the data provider right yeah. now from an fip perspective today the same thing if would be happening without an account aggregator my person in the branch if i'm a bank will have to spend time for the stamping for the signing or for giving a print out and all those kind of thing that i'll need to do and as a consumer i have to give you your statement if you yeah. come and ask for it yeah. here there's a digital mean of doing it so my manpower is used in some better work rather than doing this so these are the few things and 
net net it's about reciprocity right so if you are providing the data you are also getting to use so as an fip i also have the benefits of an fiu in in both cases so for example the banks are sharing data the nbfcs who are deposit taking nbfcs will also be sharing the data so you have all the players in the ecosystem insurance broking firms etc who will benefit from thing both as fips as well as fius yeah can we build a scenario out here maybe with specific financial products to help our listeners understand what are the benefits to me of an account aggregator i'm assuming that you know i don't think there'll be an account aggregator app as such it will be the technology which is an overlay for someone who starts a product i download the app and life becomes easier for me exactly so, loan is an obvious one yeah. it just help us understand the various products that could really benefit sure to me as a user when this comes in Sure. So let me take an example of a personal finance management tool, a PFM tool, as people call it, right? Now, let's say I work with a bank or with any NBFC broking firms, whatever, and along with that, in their app or in their net banking or in whichever way, they also provide me a personal finance management tool. Now, in that personal finance management tool, I am able to link all my bank accounts. If I link all my bank accounts, those kind of tools also helps me see my aggregated cash flow. Correct. if i see my aggregated cash flow you can also generate a lot of insights around it so firstly when you see your aggregated cash flow you will also see your spending patterns because there will be categorization of the transaction that you've done so how much are you spending on entertainment how much are you spending on travel how much are you spending on car maintenance or, or yeah. medical supplies etc you can set your own budgets so customer can keep a budget around the kind of spends that mm. they will want to spend into mm. secondly it also helps me make some goals and okay i want to travel abroad after 3 months and what is the kind of money that i may need then my cash flow will tell me whether i will have that money at at that point in time or not now this is a normal tool if i build on top of this the bank can help me by providing insights on the tool itself so for example if today for any chance i have a payment that has to go through either it's an emi or a credit card payment or whatever kind of payment from a particular account and the balance is going to be low yeah, on that yeah, day so yeah, it's yeah. predicting that the balance may be low on that day why don't you transfer money from this account to the other account so it helps me be more diligent about my financial well being also it will help me that for example if i'm having a lot of car maintenance uh, you know expenses it can tell me that maybe it's time for me to take a new car new and car, here's yeah. a pre approved car loan for you okay right Very so interesting yeah So we talk about personalized offers. Yeah. I'm talking about more of a hyper personalized right, offer, right, right. which is enabled due to the account aggregate ecosystem. And right now, I'm talking only about banks. Add your insurance, your investment portfolios, and everything else. As a consumer, you have the power in your hand to see everything together. Right. Otherwise. multiple passwords <laughs> multiple yeah. things that you need to remember it becomes a pain yeah i mean straight off the head i can just think of you know all of most of us have three bank accounts yeah. three credit cards two brokerage accounts so that's 3 plus 3 plus 2 that's 8 yeah. just add in two policies there 10 so at the bare minimum we would have 10 financial products correct spread across four different financial entities there'll be a bank there'll be a broker there'll yeah. be an insurance provider there'll be a credit card company and information coming in from all of them so potentially anyone who builds an aggregation tool an aggregation app like you said let's call it the personal financial yeah. management tool they need to probably tie up with the account aggregator 
I need to give my consent. Exactly. And boom, after that, you know, this thing can go wherever I as a user wanted to go. If I've understood this correct. Exactly. You understood it correct. Okay. What about issues like consent, privacy, safety? Because, you know, I spoke about the benefits of all this. I'm just putting my entire financial life out there. Yeah. <laughs> putting our lives out there, of course, thanks to social media, it's already happened. Okay. <laughs> so, but that's a different discussion. But any risks you see out here, you know, what are the safeguards being built in out here before we take such a big step? So this is where I come from that people would always think that I am sharing a lot of data and how secure are things. But before I talk about how secure things are, it is important to emphasize and re-emphasize you are not sharing data with the account aggregator. You are giving a consent to the account aggregator to take your data from bank A or insurance A and share it where you have applied for some financial product. Huh. So that there's no sharing of data happening with the account aggregator. Right. Right. It's only your consent yeah. and maybe your details which are there. And you said pass through. That's all he's it's, doing. It's just, it's just a pass through. And, yeah. and as per regulation, the account aggregator is not allowed to store, analyze or do anything of this data. Right. The example that I gave about the PFM app is not something which the account aggregator is providing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It could be the bank providing it. It could be any other player yeah. whom you have a relationship with. They could be providing. But having said that, Yes, during the licensing process, there is a clear guideline of the Reserve Bank of India in terms of the security features that the tech stack of an account aggregator should have. And these are the latest requirements which are there, be it any kind of security standards that you have to meet. And obviously, being a regulated entity, you have to go through various, time and time again, okay. you know, you have to go through various checks and balances with the Reserve Bank or with any other regulator. Lastly, today, the same consumer may be sharing the same data either physically or putting in the net banking password and everything on a third party app. Yeah. Here, you are giving a consent that to, to a regulated entity. So there is norms and comfort that any individual should have of where the data is being shared to an account aggregator. Yeah, so it's sounding a lot to me like an Aadhaar authentication, consent that we're giving. I'm sure that when, you know, when this becomes more prevalent, the consent that I'll be giving would probably be through some OTP authentication Correct. method or something. Correct. Where I will be able to clearly see that I'm giving this to so-and-so. Yeah. I'm assuming because I just get worried with all this. I was just reading today's papers about how senior citizens were conned by someone somewhere saying that I'm from the Employee Provident Fund organization. You're a retired person and this guy calling in. Mm-hmm told the senior citizen couple and there are two of them that I know that you work for so-and-so place and these are your dues. Yeah. Send me so-and-so money and that's it, you know, and come on. Which 60, 65, 70 year old would not want to have, they would probably think that I retired whatever, 10 years ago and yeah. it's a very common thing that can happen. I'm just trying to think that, you know, how can we make this more safe? Do you have any thoughts on this? So see, there are two, three things. Even you mentioned about Aadhaar authentication. So when you're giving a consent for Aadhaar authentication, your details are getting checked with the UIDI, right? Similarly, in the case of account aggregator, you are giving a consent from point A, which is your own bank or your own insurance company or your own, uh, you know, investment firm to share data with, literally speaking, the data is being shared directly. I mean, it can, it is passing through the account aggregator, but it is shared directly. Now, today, you use, uh, you know, your apps for payments. Yeah. Do you feel the need of your sharing data with uh, <laughs> the other players or whoever there? Yeah. But there are people who are using it, right? There are norms and those things because the platform is the UPI platform, right? Which obviously NPCI has. But because of the platform, 
there is some amount of legitimacy, some amount of comfort that you get. And the fact that you can make only transactions up to a particular limit mm. in a particular day, you can set your limits, etc. Similarly, in the account aggregator, your consent is going to a regulated entity. And all the entities in the ecosystem are regulated entities. Yeah. So today, if I have a private company, I cannot access the account aggregator ecosystem. It is only the regulated entities like banks, NBFCs, insurance companies, etc. who can access yeah. and who can participate in, in both cases. Thirdly, if I take the same example of the UPI payments, today, even in UPI, uh, right, you may link multiple bank accounts, but you make a payment with one bank account. Yeah. You choose. Correct, yeah. Similarly, in account aggregator, you may link multiple bank accounts. Today, I'm applying for a loan. I will share this bank account details. Mm. Tomorrow, I'm applying for something else to open an account. I may share some other bank account details, right? So that is in your hands. As a manager of the consent, that is in your hands. And the account aggregator is enabling you to do that. And last but not the least, at any point in time, you can revoke the consent and very easily on the interface of the account aggregator whether it is a mobile app interface or is a web app interface you can revoke the consent and you can be sure that after your consent is revoked the data will not get shared even if asked which is why the third entity is there in between FIP and FIU so if the FIU even asks for your data to the FIP the account aggregator will not let it go through because the consent is revoked. And that is managed not by FIU, not by FIP, but by the neutral third party, which is account Account aggregator. aggregator, Will this increase my spam phone calls? (laughs) More than what they already are. (laughs) Shouldn't, shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, but honestly, you know, folks, just be careful. I think the gates that have been, account aggregator ultimately is a gatekeeper. He's just, you know, opening the gate, closing the gate, giving, you know, traffic is going from here to there. I, I think the responsibility is always, always, always on us. And I don't think, you know, and I think that the RBI does a fantastic job when it comes to vigilance. And everywhere you see there are ads running about don't do this, don't do that, don't share OTPs, etc. So, you know, whenever this comes out, and I believe that there are some apps which are already tying up and, and doing this. If you're doing this, please know what you're doing before sharing any information. Okay. Yeah. I would just add one more thing. And please. Come- one more important thing, which again, learned over the experience, because okay. I'm also a consumer like you. So you said the number of spam calls that we get. Of course. Ask the second and the third question. You will know whether it is a, you know, a spam call or not. Okay. The the person who's calling you may know, huh. uh, you know, one or two things about you. May not know the fourth and the fifth thing about you. <laughs> and it has always worked for me. <laughs> so just ask one or two more questions huh. and just use a little bit of brain. I mean, people may call about something which has happened years ago, yeah. but they're calling on your most recent phone number. Yeah. So it has happened. Very interesting. Uh-huh. That when I, I was in multiple other cities okay. at that point in time, you know, my mobile number was very, very different. Right. They're calling me on my latest mobile number and talking about something which, which happened, you know, uh-huh. 15, 20 years back. Huh. And with that, you ask the second question, okay, which one are you talking about? What are you talking about? Okay, this. Then you know that, okay, that is 20 years back and you're calling on my latest number. So Uh something is fishy. So folks, if you get a genuine-ish sounding spam or fraud call, what Wilfred says is if they know a lot of information about you, ask the second or third question, maybe something of something that happened long ago. Okay, if they slip on that, just keep the phone down and block the number, you know. So, so good tip. Very, very good tip, Wilfred. Okay, last question. What are the limitations of account aggregator? What can it not do? 
So as I said, account aggregator, one of the parts of the regulation is that any company which is into the account aggregator business can only do the account aggregator business, right? And that is why you have, uh, you know, Criff Connect as a separate entity, which can only do an account aggregator business. What it cannot do, I think we discussed this, cannot store data. It cannot see data. It cannot store data. It cannot analyze data. And obviously, when you are not doing all of this, you cannot offer recommendations of insights based on that data. Right. So this is it. Purely consent management and purely for the consumer about consent, about, you know, having the uptime for data transfers coming from the FIP to the FIU and vice versa. That is what an account aggregator can do. Nothing else. Yeah. So there are 14. There are 14. Yeah. And that includes Griff Connect also. That now, includes Griff Connect. So then who would your clients pay? I mean, what, what, what does your business model look like? So right now the clients, obviously two types. First, as I said, the data providers. So you have to have the linkage with the data providers. However, on the other side, the data users. So like you charge your data users on a transaction basis, similarly, the account aggregators would do that. But there are 14 right now. And as I said, the input, the output, everything is a standardized format prescribed by the Reserve Bank of India in the guidelines. Okay. So the API are also governed through a standardized format for all the account aggregators and everyone. Okay. And as a user, I'm guessing that I would not be interacting with you, but you would be the person behind who's opening the gate or letting that information pass through. So I would be probably using, let's just assume that I want to take a loan yeah. and I download an app that helps me choose between various loan providers that are out there. I would be giving my consent, you know, for you to provide the loan app or whatever, the loan lending company details of my banking. Is that how it works? So I would answer it in two parts. First part is how will it work yeah. and why what you said may not work. Yeah. So let's, and let's take some examples over here. Let's say there is an NBFC to whom I've applied for a loan. All right. And let's say my process is right now, everyone is digital now yeah. mostly. Yeah. So my process is digital. I fill up the form or maybe even I don't need to fill up my form. I put in my phone number, my name, I get an OTP, I'm authenticated. I put in my PAN number that is getting checked. And everything is fine. At that point in time, maybe even a credit bureau is getting pulled, right? Now, when the time comes for my bank statement submission, there would be thing that either I have an account aggregator handle huh, okay. or if I don't have an account aggregator handle, then the account aggregator journey starts. Now, that particular NBFC may be, let's say, working with Criff Connect. So, the Criff Connect journey will start where you would authenticate yourself through your phone number and everything. Your Existing bank accounts may get searched. You will link, again, up to you, which ones you want to link. You will link those bank accounts. You will give a specific consent for specific bank account or for all bank accounts. And then go back to that NBFC journey of completing the application. Okay. Then the data automatically gets shared. So that yeah. would be a thing. You, in this case, may not have come to Criff Connect, but you have gone to that NBFC. Correct, yeah. Any NBFC yeah. Or, or a bank or whoever yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, I come back to the point that you mentioned. If you download a loan app, mm. right? It depends on what app you're downloading. If you're downloading an app of a registered lender, a bank or an NBFC, Correct. the same thing happens. Correct, yeah, yeah. But if it is just a fintech player who a is... Platform, yeah, a yeah. platform. A yeah, platform. Yeah, yeah. They are not allowed huh. to access the account aggregator. Yeah, okay. So the account aggregator journey does not start. There. Got it, yeah. Now, in the earlier example that I gave, where if you have an handle, existing handle, you will put the handle. How will you have an existing handle? 
that is the time where you can interact with any account aggregator directly. So today on the various payments app, and if I can name a few like yeah. Google Pay, Phone Pay, etc., yeah. you have created your ID. Today you may be paying through Phone Pay, but you also have Google Pay Correct. or yeah, vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, you can come to the account aggregator either on the web or on the app itself. Mm. They will have their own apps. Mm. You can download the app. You can link your bank accounts and keep it there. Right. right, right. So as soon as you register yourself, you will also get a handle like you have a handle for a, a GP or a phone pay, right? Yeah. Maybe your name or your number at the rate, whatever. X, Y, Z, yeah. So that is the way you will have the handle for an account aggregator. So if you already have a handle, you put the handle your entire inquiry will be routed through that account aggregator. If you don't have any, you create. Yeah. So okay. when you take a loan, they'll ask you for your account ag aggregator handle. Yeah. Got and it. if you don't have it, then uh. you can create in the same journey. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes very easy. And if I open five different account aggregator, will I get five different handles? Like we, yeah, in yeah. case of UPI, exactly. I, I have lost count of how many handles I've got. Exactly. I kind, of, I kind of assume that, you know, it's like an email thing. Once it's there, it's there. But no, there are a handle for X, Y. So it's the same thing in account aggregator thing. also. Exactly. Very interesting, folks. So, you know, I would say go out and explore on your own, but be careful. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, our final standard question, you know, we are done with the technical part of the show. Now, this is the last question that we ask all our guests. Anything that you're reading, any book recommendation that you have for our listeners? This is one question I get asked. Okay. And I always say I am not a book reader, right? Okay. I am more of a audio-visual kind of a person. Even so better. You may, you may ask me about what I'm watching. What are you watching? Yeah, there you go. How about but that? But before that, I would tell you a book which I read very, very recently. Huh. I mean, I should not call it a book. I, I have a four-year-old daughter. So I was reading to her. In fact, I was reading to her yesterday. And a few things which caught my attention about the book. It's a, it's a children kind of a story. Uh, I think it talks, uh, the name is Monkey Puzzles. Okay. And it talks about a monkey, baby monkey, who has lost the count of where the mother is yeah. and is asking a butterfly of where my mom would be. Hmm. So the butterfly asks, okay, what, what does she look like? How do I recognize? Yeah. And he keeps saying something. So for example, like he keeps saying that, okay, uh, she's always hanging on the tree and all. Oh, tree, I know where to find her and goes and shows a snake coiled on the branch. Okay. You said tree, no? Hanging yeah. on the tree. So this <laughs> okay. is it. So then they said, oh, but this is not, she usually takes me to drink water in the lake. So a lake, you said, okay, you go there yeah. and the elephant. So <laughs> this is your mother. Okay. So I, while I was reading to her, at the end, by the way, he finds the mother. Thank you. Yeah. But while I was reading it to her and I was just trying to relate it to what we keep doing, you know, in terms of what you are communicating and what does the person in front is understanding. understanding. Yeah. Because at the end of the story, how they were able to find the mother yeah. is when the baby monkey says, by the way, she looks like me. And the butterfly says, my kids don't look like me, so I don't know. So you should have told <laughs> wow. me that earlier. Okay. So that is one. How about that? Uh, coming back to what I'm watching. Oh, so, you're watching, yeah. Uh, I just watched a movie, The Burial. Of course, Jamie Foxx and yes, Tommy and Lee Jones. Yes. Wonderful movie. So, and courtroom drama after courtroom a very long drama. time. Yeah. And I was thinking about the earlier courtroom drama, which was on the O.J. Simpson case. And in yeah. both the things, it is about storytelling yeah, of yeah, yeah, how yeah, you yeah, convince the yeah, jury. Yeah. So the storytelling part, which I keep, uh, you know, telling my team about when you are presenting a product to the client or when you are presenting to your team, hmm. 
the storytelling is very very important always yeah, so yeah. it's not only about uh, what you have put on a slide or what is the thing that you're talking about the story has to come through yeah, yeah. so, so that's, that's majorly it so burial is on amazon prime like wilfred said it stars <laughs> jb fox and tommy lee jones and the series that uh, wilfred referred to i'm assuming is american crime I think it was season one or season two, which had the OG Simpsons. Yeah. Sorry, I think it's an eight-episode of. Yes. I don't know if it's still there on Netflix, but I don't know if it is still there. Outstanding! Yeah. It was like really, really good. But yeah, that's it. That is a wrap on this episode of Pesa Pesa. My guest, Wilfred Sigler, Managing Director, VAS India and South Asia Markets, Criff Solutions. Wilfred, thank you so much for doing this episode for our listeners. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Anupam. And listeners, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where you get to watch the full video episodes. You can check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can also follow us on our social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I'm your host Anubham Gupta, B50 on Twitter. And thank you, really, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Pesa Pesa. No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision.